Greetings, Queen fans. Plug in your synthesizers and warm up the tubes in your favorite guitar app. We're rocking some Queen. Welcome to Seaside Pod Review. I've got a face for radio, and Kev looks like Brad Pitt got punched in the face. Once a week, we natter on about a random song from one of the most diverse bands in rock and roll history. Brand new angle, highly Kiss, Kevy. Hey, Kevin. How's it going, Randy? Oh, not bad. Not bad. You know? Yeah. All things considered? All things considered. All things considered, I think I'm doing all right. Have you ever seen the Bill Bailey bit where he talks about that phrase, all things considered? No. It's very, very good. I suppose because if you really did truly consider everything, well, that's a lot to factor in, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, so all things considered, Randy, which I have, I have considered all things. Good, not bad. Actually, I so we bought and I was telling you um, offline that my team, my my middle aged male bowling team, we're in the playoffs. It's playoff uh, this week and next week, and so you basically you you have your average, which is like handicapping golf, right? So everyone's kind of batting off roughly equal footing, and we um we we're, we're leading, we're in the lead, we could win. And are you the star of the team is what I really I am not know. the star of the team, but tonight I bowled above my average all three games. Wow. And let me tell you, Randy, mm-hmm. I had a moment. I had a moment. I, in the, I was heading into the last frame, the 10th frame of the mm-hmm. last game. I was on 121 and bowling very poorly. And then, you know what? Your old mate, Kev, he bowled three straight fucking strikes, buddy. I would have made wow. you proud. Wow. I'm impressed. I'm finished impressed. On one, yeah, 170 some finished on. So it was good. It was good fun. Yeah. That's uh, that's pretty impressive, you know. I, I gotta say, I'm I'm pretty proud of you, Kev. Way to go, buddy. Okay, well, have you achieved anything nearly as grand in the last sort of three hours? No, no, no I well, definitely have not. So I'm I'm better than you right now. That's what we're. I would we're... say I would say that's the way things are shaping up. I would say the only thing I've done of any note in the last few hours was uh, I I cooked I cooked a big you know a big ham, a big ham. Yeah. <laughs> It's so funny because that's something that I mean. Some of our English listeners or British listeners will probably tell me I'm fucking wrong on this because it's just just because I was brought up in Wigan. But just no one in England eats ham. Well, we eat ham, but you don't eat a ham. People don't cook a ham. You know. Well, I cook more than just a ham. <laughs> you know what I mean. I didn't just I just just didn't say, hey everybody, look, it's a ham. Eat that. That this is supper. <laughs> it's accompanied by vegetables. Oh, what, what kind of vegetables? Well, a, a variety, Kev. A variety. Would you like me to list them? I would like you to list them, yeah. Okay, asparagus, which Excellent. I did on the barbecue. Uh, some beans. That's just some standard grocery item, green beans. And uh, then some potatoes, uh, four to which we scalloped. Is that scalloped Very potatoes? Nice. Is that a, is that a, that's, that's a thing. Hey, you know what that is. Absolutely. Yeah, I would assume have you, so. Have you ever dolphin wad potatoes? I want to learn how to do oh, that because yeah. it's not done that. No. I should, should, by I should tell all our listeners, I should tell our listeners that um, Mr. Randy is a very, very good cook. Very accomplished. No, oh, uh, no, don't think so. <laughs> but thanks, Kev. But hey, this is not a, this is not a culinary podcast, Randy. There are great no. culinary podcasts out there if, if people so, should so choose uh, to go and listen to them and, and seek them out. But this is not one of them. This is not one of those. Yeah. What are we doing here? Well, Kev, I think what we do here is we just sit around in front of these mics and then we just pick a song by Queen at random 
uh, and it's completely random in case anybody was truly wondering if it is random. It is truly random. We have no idea what we're going to talk about. And then we just talk relentlessly with absolutely no basis in knowledge or fact. Uh, and we ramble on and on about it. That's pretty much what we do, isn't it, Kev? That is what we do. And and so the setup for people basically is that uh, my mate, my best mate Randy here is, is a Queen fan and always has been a Queen fan, but doesn't really know the catalogue very well beyond the hits. And then, you know, some of the more sort of popular tracks. So I thought that fun thing to do would be to introduce him to songs. So a lot of these songs... Um, Randy's hearing these for the first time as we record these episodes, so his reaction is 100% genuine. We don't prep anything. I mean, it means that we don't have a lot of research and facts on the songs, so really what you're getting is our opinions for what they're worth and sort of reactions to, uh, especially for Randy, what we're hearing, right? So so that, that's that's the fun of it. It's the fun of it for me anyway. Yes, indeed, Kevin. That is what the fun is. And you know, another thing that is very fun, Mr. Randy Woods, is uh, the interactions that we have with our wonderful, wonderful listeners on um, social media. Yeah, it's, it's it's one of the things I like the best. And so one of the things we do every week is after the episode is released, we put up a poll on Twitter, which isn't going to be happening for very much longer because Elon Musk is, as we have already established, an absolute bellend. Um, but we will figure out something for that. Uh, we put up a poll and um, let people vote on it. And so last week's episode covered Too Much Love Will Kill You, uh, the Queen version from Made in Heaven. Um, so, Randy, what were the poll results? Well, Kev, uh, you know, I guess I really just didn't have an inkling as to as to how d- divisive or how close this would be. So what we have is we have uh, at champion level, we have 58%, and we have 42% of the folks saying, that that shit ass song bites the dust. I guess I'm I guess I'm showing my hand, although I did vote, but no, and that's that's a bit harsh. It's just uh, it's just a bit of schmaltzy schmaltzorama. That's all. Yeah, and it was quite like I said. I I wasn't necessarily surprised, particularly on the way the vote went, just because you know it's not it's not a top tier Queen song by any means. And like I said in the episode, and I said online afterwards, there's more about this for me. It's more about that connection. I've sort of seen it played at the tribute concert and the, the the music video that came with it afterwards and all that kind of stuff. So it's just like there's an emotional connection to that song, right? And so that sometimes can carry it. That sometimes that's enough. Yeah. Um, but some, yeah. So, the, so I wasn't surprised necessarily with about 60, 40 was, that's probably what I thought. Maybe what if we had guessed like we're supposed to. Um, what I wasn't ready for was quite, how, like you said, how divisive it is and how strongly people felt against it. Yeah. Um, So on Twitter, Leighton Brown said, just listen to the episode. Like you, Kev, the song is a real trigger for me. I was at the Freddie tribute and bawled my eyes out with emotion, not at Bryce singing, uh, and then saw Brian appear with the cross at the Marquee Club in December when he played it. So, yeah, so again, it's someone else who's, I think Leighton's probably roughly around about my age, who has that same same connection with it. Mm -hmm. Alex Small says, the Brian version highlights the fact that Brian should steer well away from the upper voice registry. Stick to singing like on Long Away or 39. Suits his voice to a T. Well, there you go. Uh, Kev and I did listen to the, the live version a little bit, and I didn't think uh, Brian's vo- vocal was so terrible. I, I mean, he's just, you know, he's just not, he's just not Freddie. He's not amazing. So, but there you go. And so Darren L., who I think might be in first-time commentary, Randy, I'm not sure, uh, says it's a real Brian May solo album song, and not many of those are champion. Freddie vocals make it very poignant, but alas, it bites the dust for me. Abby says, 
I'm Team Brian version, uh, which, as you'll see, uh, there's a, there's a few more folks uh, that say that as well. Absolutely. <laughs> Kyle Anderson <laughs> to Kevin Brown is hated for the and his hatred for the Klingon language. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. So there's there's a couple we traded a couple of insults back and forth in uh, in Klingon, um, which I'm assuming he did the same thing as I did and translated it through Google. Yeah, and I and I tell you what, I couldn't be arsed, and so I just asked what you nerds are on about. <laughs> <laughs> we're not nerds, we're geeks. There's a different. Well, I'm a nerd okay. as well. But... All right, all right, fair enough, Kyle. You and uh, you and Kev can just go nerd out all you like, but I think that Blagpie's got something to say, and he says, "Well, you had me wavering for a while after the ep, but even Freddie's vocal and Brian's lead break can't get it to champion." That said. Given the dross of the miracle, it should have least had a place there. And then the song title may have just jarred less when released later. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, because we, you know, we, we found that out that it was recorded, which I didn't actually know until I think, I don't think I actually knew that until we recorded the episode that it was recorded during the miracle sessions. Right. Um, and that Freddie apparently wasn't a huge fan of it. So, yeah, I put it on the miracle out of, I don't know, four five tracks off that album. I don't know. <laughs> it could work. Uh, Hugh Jenkins says, I've stayed away from the Made in Heaven album, so never heard the Freddie version. Massive improvement on the Brian version, in my opinion, but still misses the mark. So, yeah, there, there you go again. I mean, to me, I like both versions, and I, I bought Back to the Light when it came out. So I heard the, you know, and I heard it at the tribute concert, and then I heard the Back to the Light version. So that was the version that I knew. But again, when, when you hear Freddie singing it, for me, it's just, He's just so much better as a singer. I don't know. Yeah. Ben Wheeler says, the keyboard sound on this was his hideously dated way before the Queen version of the song was released. Worst sonic choice in the catalog, in my opinion. Why not just play a piano? Uh, Brian version is better, he adds at the end. And yeah, I think we, I think maybe we might have mentioned that. We did. During, yeah, like why not? Like why are you guys not just using a real fucking piano? I'm sure... These guys are world-class stars and recording in world-class studios. They could have yeah, picked, I mean, they could have brought in, they, they could have, have they bought any piano they wanted. Yeah, they could have used the Yamaha Grand, or they could have used yeah. the... Uh... Um, <laughs> Paul Moody from In the Lap of the Pods. This is very succinct. It's Bites. It's fucking awful. <laughs> Can't even be bothered to say Bites to Dust. It's, they just no. don't like it. They, they hates it that much that he's only going back to one word. He ain't got no time for that shit. He ain't got no time for it. And that's fair enough. I don't think he's a very sentimental man. Steve Jonkman, while it's not one of my favorite, it hits all the right notes. Strong chorus, meaningful lyrics, great bass line from Deaky, and Rogers actually banging on proper drums. Champion. Thanks for that, Steve. Our Irish friend Ian Ling says, it's a beautiful number, but there's no denying that Brian's vocal is the more sincere and heartfelt. He seemed chuffed when I told him that. So he's actually um, uh, interviewed Brian May, which is kind of cool. Uh, and he, I think he posted a link to his interview somewhere and I'll send that to you Randy because I don't think you've read it so pretty well, cool stuff very cool the guys at Queen Rocks Australia say a decent song that is elevated by Freddie's superb vocal Brian's version has a nice arrangement and avoids some of the power ballad cheese that crept into the Queen version a champion and th this is this is marvellous I think you know what we should start doing Randy is we should start having a tweet of the week and I think this might be my nomination for it Sure. Um, Jim C says, having compared this to bollock moisture, I do have to say that Fred's vocal is the best thing about it. He can save almost any mawkish half-past material. I'm sure I mean half-assed. Brian's version can fuck right off, though. <laughs> <laughs> so 
so he compared it to ball sweat and and he, he's what he decided is that Freddie Mercury's vocal is the only good thing to come it, from it elevates it slightly from ball yeah. sweat to something ball else sweat. maybe navel sweat i don't know <laughs> uh ruddy rutherford champion for me freddie's vocal lifts it but i have a soft spot for brian's version too lump in the throat every time by the way i am named after my grandfather but his name was john ruddy is a nickname from school days well there you go ruddy i always thought it was because it was you know rhymed with rutherford and if you were taking some liberties you know yeah no that's what it, that, that, that is what it is yeah that's the english that's english penchant for being very uh unimaginative when it comes to nicknames although we'll say and this will this will be more for our um our english listeners or our british listeners randy i did serve with a guy whose name uh, his nickname was booper <laughs> because his, his actual name was ward and he was a private so he was private ward and booper is one of the private healthcare providers in uk Hence, Booper, which I thought was very, very good. That's a deep cut, Kev. <laughs> I appreciate it, though. Thanks for sharing. Ben says, I was at the Tribute concert in 1992 when the song was played for the first time. A tearjerker at that time. I find the Made in Heaven version too bombastic and overproduced. Brian's version does more justice to the song, although I still prefer Freddie's vocal. Final verdict, though, is a champion. I, I guess... I guess that would be a tough thing to see it to see it live like that because you know you're going to have to have some there's got to be some emotion tied to it obviously right yeah you know what I might do Randy just for a little bit of shitty and giggly is mm -hmm. um take because I've there's that I've got that, that online service that I use for creating stems correct I might strip out Freddie's vocal stem take off Brian's vocal from his version and overlay Freddie's vocal onto Brian's version to see how that sounds because it sounds like, you know, there are definitely comments that people don't like the Queen arrangement, but like Freddie's vocal. So that could be an mm. interesting and fun thing to do. Yeah, there you go. See how that works out. Um, Lisa Malloy, really, <laughs> referring to something that you uh, you mentioned in the in the podcast, like, I think likes your horny bush, Randy. I think Lisa yeah. likes your horny bush. Well, like I, I do believe I re replied to her in a tweet as, uh, <laughs> it, you know, it's a curse. I gotta be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Linda, well, sorry, Lisa goes on to say, I prefer Freddie's rendition, but it's a dust biter for me. And Lynn Davidson um, says, I accidentally hit champion. I take it back. Well, Lynn, you know, it's a one all or nothing, one time fucking thing. You can't take it back now. You are in the champion camp, and there you'll just have to be happy. It all goes on your permanent record too. We keep track of all of this meticulously. It's on your voting record. We keep we keep track of these things. Yeah, no Dominion voting machines here. It's all done by hand. <laughs> Paul Bradbury says. I was close to dusting this one simply because I so much prefer the Brian May version from Back to the Light. It's a great example of late era queen, so it's a champion. Um, Dieter, our German friend at My Chameleon Days says, dust for me. I always hear Brian singing it and it sounds awful. The lyrics may be heartfelt, but his singing doesn't do anything for me. And don't even mention the German version. Nice try, but completely unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, that's that's always sketchy when people try and do things in languages that are you know, not their first language or not even their fucking second language. Yeah. And th this must be the tweet that uh, Jim, and so I think tw Twitter sometimes gets tweets out of order. So Curtis Sparkles, Jim C says, it's the musical equivalent of testicle sweat. So there you go. You know, it's a, yeah. it's, it's a summation. Nice, nice. Uh, Rob Marr, dust. I want to like it, but it sits on the wrong side of the thin line between good and bad Brian songs for me. Uh, yeah, 
Uh, Stephen Ursel, he says, heartfelt lyrics that connect with me emotionally. Superb guitar work from Brian. Freddie smashes the vocal out of the park, even by Freddie standards. Champion. And Justin Fotheringham says, Brian's equivalent to It's a Hard Life off the works. Beautiful at all levels. Well done. Definitely a champion. Now, that's a strong call. Um, that's something that didn't get any follow-up comments on, but I'm a little bit surprised about that because It's a Hard Life and this one, well, there's a, I would say there's a little bit of a gap between those two songs. But you know what? Justin's entitled to his opinion, just as you are, Randy. No, so mm -hmm. no matter how wrong either of you are, you're entitled mm -hmm. to your opinion. Yeah. You know what, Kev? What's that? You're right. But in a more accurate way, you're wrong. And you know that I do the edit for this show. So <laughs> what's going to come out in the edit is, uh, you know what, Kev? You're right. End fucking conversation. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're such an ass. <laughs> Alice's dad said, now this is more difficult than it should be. While I find this version passable, it just isn't as good as the version on Brian's solo album. That would get a champion no trouble. This version, it's borderline. I'm voting champion only because of the brilliance of the original. Yeah, yeah. like I said, there's uh, seems to be a lot of people tied up with uh, in the in the Brian version. That which which you know I get often the first version of the song that you hear normally is the one that you're gonna like the best, almost sort of despite what comes after. So. I'd say, I'd say 95% of the time, that's true. Yeah. Eh? It's very unusual that you hear a, a, a cover version or a, yeah. a redo or something that just lands with you better. It just, it just yeah, it's that initial it's connection whatever. to a song. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, I, you know, I've got lots of examples, personal examples too. So, so I, I get it. Um, Edish Kaya, Beltanova, wonderful song. I prefer it on Brian's voice. So, again, someone else agreeing. And David Wilson says, aside from the awfully dated wing beneath your wings, late 80s electric piano, you can't deny the sentiment and superb melody and chorus in this song. I love Brian's version, but Freddie takes it up several notches with incredible vocal, lovely stuff. So, we're getting a lot of the same comments here. Um, I'll do one more and then you can finish this up, Randy. It's Pank, which I only just noticed is his handle is Pank P007, which is quite mysterious. I wonder if he actually is on Her Majesty's Secret Service, Randy. Well, I'd say there's probably a really good chance, yeah. I think it'd be a bit silly to broadcast that on Twitter, though, if he is. Well, maybe they're infiltrating this this podcast right now, and we just don't even know. Oh, Jesus. I He's deep, it, deep, deep undercover. I, I better be alert, because pod, this podcast needs alerts. This does, yeah. There you go. <laughs> but, but Pank says, it's Brian's vocal at its best. And for me, the whole of that album and the song represents the beginning of chapter two. I'd much rather it never happened, but it did. And this was one of the highlights of a depressing Queen time. So he's talking about the Made in Heaven album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob Hatton says, too much cheese will kill you. And, you know, hey, I agree with that. Can't bring myself to like this or most of the Made in Heaven tracks. Except Mother Love and Winter's Tale. Can't help but feel like they reinvented the meaning of the song after Freddie's death to too much sex will kill you. Dust for me. And you know, that that is an interesting point, Randy, because there is a like an inference. You know, you could you can read an inference into that song about it being a comment on Freddie's lifestyle, which obviously it wasn't. And it certainly would never have been coming from any member of the band. They would never have judged that you know they, they were completely supportive of him but it can definitely look that way i remember i remember when um def leppard performed at the tribute concert and they did let's get rocked that one didn't sit quite right with me because i was like come on guys i mean that's you kind of you know it's this is a, a tribute concert raising money for aids and you put out a message that's a little i don't know maybe it's maybe a little bit silly but that one didn't quite sit for me so i can i can, I can actually see rob's point of view on this one even though i don't 
necessarily agree. I definitely completely get where he's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Fair point. Uh, it's funny. I never read that into it, but, uh, but, but Hey, that's just me. Okay. And so a, a regular listener, Randy, uh, Michelle Stagman Kurlander talks about how this be, you know, about this being a Brian song and it really been a very, very personal song for Brian, uh, written at a, a really rough time in his life when his marriage was breaking apart and he was, he'd fallen in love with another woman. Um, Brian always says, she says that Brian always said that his songs sounded better when Freddie sang them, usually true. Freddie does sound great singing it. Um, but she says, this is, this one is Brian's song and sung by him. It's wonderful. So again, coming down in the, in the Brian camp, um, and Nick Croft says champion for me. I think I came across an isolated vocal stem once and Freddie's voice is absolutely amazing. A vocal effort that sees hairs on my arms stand up every time. Blistering guitar solo by Sir Bry too. Um, and says, keep up the good work, boys. Fun 50 minutes in my morning. So that's one thing that we did talk about, right? Like, and I do think that it's a fucking brilliant vocal. That's such a great vocal on that song. We, we commented on that. Of course, yeah. Freddie's done a lot of great vocals, but on a song like that, where he has to be really restrained and yet still get that emotion across, he does such a great job of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Melissa here brings up, uh, she says, 100% champion. I will always prefer Freddie's vocal to this song, uh, to Brian's. Also, considering the lyrical content and not knowing at the time the song was about Brian's failed marriage, I feel debuting it at the tribute concert was in poor taste. Or am I being too sensitive? Question mark. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Is it? So there you go again. And I think that we talked a little bit about that, you know, about Brian talking about being very nervous when he performed it. And I think it was one of those things that he wanted, you know, we all do misguided things for our friends sometimes, especially in tough circumstances. And I think maybe it was just one of those things where he says, you know, he was thinking, well, we've got that song. I mean, I'm going to be putting it on this new album. I think it'll work with the crowd. You know what I mean? So I think the intention was good. And like I said, I understand what people are reading into that or and how they're interpreting that. I don't, I never took it that way. I certainly didn't take it that way at the time, but there you go. It shows again that that's what sometimes people, uh, people reading it. There you go. Uh, Doug Curran, Bites the Dust. Any song with bitter tears in the lyrics is immediately suspect. But come on, this track is an utter <laughs> cheese fest. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we, we had established that. Uh, I, might, I might be in the minority on this, but I just don't hear or feel much emotion in Freddie's vocals. When he repeats in the end, at the end, he sounds completely untroubled by Brian's books. <laughs> now, I guess he wasn't the one getting divorced. Eh? So... <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> losing his kids, losing his house. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, but it's definitely fromage. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, and Queen aren't they're too, you know, they're not strangers to that. So I, I guess that Doug Kern wouldn't be a, an NXS fan then, Randy, you know, because they, they, they had a single called Bitter Tears, which I think is a pretty fucking good song, personally. Uh all right, Woods. You know what, mate? We've um we've beat around the, this particular bush long enough. I think it's probably time for us to first of all um try and call our shot on what song we're gonna get. Um and then spin this goddamn wheel and see how it's gonna fuck us in the ass. Wow. What uh, what would you like to hear tonight if you had uh, the choice? I am gonna call a particular song that I've really been really been wanting to talk to you about. Um, I think I might have talked. I might have called it before. Um, maybe even last week. I don't remember now. But I want to listen to "Give Me the Prize" from A Kind of Magic. We haven't done a song from A Kind of Magic yet. Um, and it's again another album that's a little bit. It's not universally loved or um, loved in its entirety, but that's the one I want to listen to. Give me the prize. 
Gergen's theme, hey? Yeah. Um, do you, are you familiar with the movie Highlander? Have you seen Highlander? You must have seen Highlander, surely. I'm fairly sure I have, but I think that was a long time ago. Well, that's something that you and I are definitely going to have to do. Maybe that's something we could do as a, a special episode, Randy. We could <gasps> sit around, watch Highlander, and talk incessantly for two hours about the movie over the top of the movie. That would be a good thing to do, I think. I think people would be just enthralled. I think we'd, our listenership would double. I think every single person who downloaded the episode would listen to it in its entirety. I think it'd be fantastic. I think anybody listening to you talk right now about that is going, oh, please, <laughs> love of all that is holy, don't do that. Don't do that under any circumstances. <laughs> Okay, oh, well, I, I will not only will I not listen to that episode, I will delete all the podcast listening apps <laughs> off my phone. Yeah. You have ruined podcasting forever. I'm going to say, and this is just stupid, I'm going to say any song with a number in it, Kevin. Oh, I mean, that's not very uh, many. Uh, well, you didn't you, gotta, you didn't set parameters, so. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Well, you got so, Seven Seas of Rye twice. Fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Minister. Uh, 39. You're 39. Seven seas are twice in only, only seven days. In only seven days. Uh, what else would there be? Oh, man. That's that's kind of... That might be it. Well, that's it. That's what I want. I want one of those. You want one of those, one of those three? Yeah, right, I want one of those, yeah. All right. Well, you know, Randy, I should uh, mention to you, too, that you wouldn't be aware of this, but on the last uh, episode of And the Podcast Will Rock, Corey Morissette essentially, well, he called me a dick mainly, but kind of called you a pussy in terms of you don't call your show, you don't call a song. Mm. But you know, you know what? Actually, it was me. It was it was me was ripping into you because I always say, what, what, what? Are, you know, which songwriter or which album or which era? So maybe it is, maybe it is me being a bit too soft on you. But I think you pick, you know, one of three. So, so fair That's enough. Pretty good. Oh. Oh, so okay. So uh, you want like I'm just supposed to just like just just you know say I want to hear crazy little thing called love off of the game. <laughs> and like, do I gotta like, do I gotta sound kind of like I'm trying to be a big man at the same time, or what does it take to to appease you guys? Yeah, I mean, I think probably if you if you go into your lower register, even if you sound more manly, like a like a Ford F one fifty commercial, that's probably what you're going for. Give it, give it a go, give it a go. No, here, no, I got a better idea. How about, okay. how about, I'm a wrestler and I'm just about to get in the ring. Do okay, yeah, those, do it. Those little, yeah, okay, uh, you know, I don't give a fuck. Spin the wheel, see what happens. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Fucking shitty wrestler. <laughs> I just get triple suplexed onto the ground, and that's it for me. Career over. Well, I'll, do, I'll get my Triple H one. I want. Uh, give me the prize. There you go. There you go. You've done it. You've done it. Well, I've done it, and now the wheel's going to do it. And again, the wheel's going to do it as it always, pretty much always does without lube. So we are cool. All right. Well, we're not getting what I called for. We are not getting um, what you call for. So which song, Mr. Woods, are we getting? Well, what we have here is a song called Doing All Right from Queen. This is our first spin from the debut album. Our second song, because obviously we did Keep Yourself Alive as the uh, podcast kickoff song, but this is the first time we're going back to the album, so that's kind of fun. Wonderbar. This is the point in the podcast where Randy and Kevin open various browser tabs and frantically Google various facts and miscellany in order to sound knowledgeable and well-researched. In the interest of time, this has been condensed into a short, but we think, pithy announcement. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>
So we have a song here written by Brian May and Tim Staffel uh, before Queen. That would, that would be Staffel, Randy. I'm pretty sure it's Staffel. I think you're pronouncing that with a very Canadian tongue there. Although we, I've been wrong before on this podcast and people have corrected me. So, oh, let the crowd do so, its business. So, so you're just correcting me, not really knowing for sure if you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, good. Uh, okay, so this is a song written by Tim Staffel. <laughs> Here's a song written by Brian May and Tim Staffel. And uh, we have our normal uh, usual suspects, uh, you know, on it, of course, recorded in Trident Studios in London between June and November of 1972. And that, my friends, is a, quite a while ago, produced by John Anthony, Roy Thomas Baker, and of course, Queen. And uh, this features Brian May playing the piano parts on the very famous 1897 Beckstein, uh, which was uh, played by Mr. Paul McCartney for Hey Jude and also Elton John for your song. So that is a very famous piano indeed. Yeah, and I, there's two things about this that as we were sort of going and opening all our tabs and doing our research, two things kind of twigged in my mind. The first is that when I looked at... <laughs> When I looked it up in um, the Queen uh, Complete Works book, I thought it was called Doing All Right, not Doing All Right. But it, it's the Smile version. So Smile is the band that predates Queen, Randy. I was telling you about this. So Tim Staffel, um, Roger Taylor, Brian May, and then I forget the drum, uh, the bass player's name. Um, pre, that's, that's was sort of the, the precursor to Queen before Freddie and, and John came in. Um, and so their version was called Doing All Right. And they did... Re- record it i'm pretty sure and i think there's a, a version of that kicking around um and then the second thing just again from a sort of a linguistic grammary kind of nerdy thing it's interesting that it's doing all right and all right is two separate words rather than all right as an as a single word because doing all right almost implies that it's doing everything right we're doing all right is more yeah, doing all right doing you know what not too bad all things considered See that, Randy? Another callback. I'm getting good at this. Wow, Kev. You ever started, uh, ever think of starting your own podcast? Maybe about, I don't know, uh, Tom Petty, say. Who? Oh, the singer. Yeah, I know you mean. Uh, ah, Well, no, no. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. In case people who don't know this, Tom Petty had a, he played in a band called the Heartbreakers. And they they had a couple of numbers that were popular with the children of Mm. the era. Yeah. Yeah, you know what, Randy? Maybe maybe I will start a podcast about Tom Petty just to spite you. That would be just like you too, Kev. I'll go back in time um, about eighteen months, and I'll by the time I record this, I should be about ninety-three episodes in. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so doing all right. I mean, again, a song that's very well known in the Queen, you know, the, in the hardcore fandom, and I mean, not only because it was on their debut album, but. Everyone knows that it's smile and predates that, and it was written with Tim and whatnot. So, so I'm kind of glad we got this one because I'm, well, I, I usually ask you right off the top, um, and I didn't. Um, I'm assuming that you don't know this song. No, I don't. Not by the title, at least, as I always okay. say. All right, Randy, do you want to listen to some uh, Doing All Right? Hit it. Yesterday, my life. 
That intro always reminds me of like, you know, um, Afternoon Delight and all that mm-hmm. kind of era, like with the, with the way the bass comes in with and with the guitar. I mean, it's super cool, but it always, there's something about it that just always reminds me of that. Right, right. Yeah, I didn't get that, but. Uh, what do you think of Mr. May's piano playing? Well, you know, hey, so far so good. You know, some tasty little blues guitar licks there too. Yeah. yeah. The first 30 seconds are fucking rocking. <laughs> <laughs> And, no, if by rocking, rocking. and if by rocking you mean fairly low key yeah yeah they're, they're, yeah we're doing all right <laughs> hey another call back guys we're getting really fucking good at this got a <laughs> i should be doing all right do I do like um, when they come off beat in the, like in that little section there where it um, and gives you that little bit of separation between the A section and coming into the B section now. I like those little things that bridge that gap. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Listen for it. Listen for it next time through. Cause maybe you just weren't, you know? Yeah. Well, it, well I, yeah. Where will I be this time tomorrow? in joy. So it's that bit there. Din, 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 din. I just mm. like that bit, the way it kind of, it's that stutter step kind of, you know, break into the into the chorus. Copy that. Yeah, gotcha. I've always found that a weird lyric. Jumped in joy or sinking in sorrow. There's a, there's a tense issue straight away, first of all. Jumped. Well, I suppose jumped is past tense as well. Or sinking, though, is present because that's more, you know what I mean? Like there's just a bit of a, there's a bit of dissonance between those two parts of that same line. Yeah, I hear you. I think maybe they should take uh, Staffel's royalties back until he fucking corrects this <laughs> shit. Fuck that guy. <laughs> he has not met with the minister of Go Fuck Yourself yet, has he? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, it's... Uh, yeah, I can see what you're saying, yeah. Jumped for joy or sinking in sorrow. It's jumped, just awkward. It feels awkward. for joy, yeah. Well, jumping in joy would have been, but then it's too many syllables, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, it's... I be this time tomorrow. Jumped for joy or sinking in sorrow. It's it's well, it's a tricky bit. And I'm gonna I'm gonna defer this to um, one of our listeners, Randy uh, Ian Winnick, who is a, a translator and copywriter, who uh, I believe is Irish but lives in Germany. Has lived in Germany for a long time. Maybe he can clear this up grammatically. Is this sound? Or is it as weird and, and sort of disjointed as I sort of have always thought it is? Keep in mind, we're, you know, we're two completely uneducated bums over here in Canada. So enlighten us. Do it Time in all the world. 
pretty good effect on that vocal, eh? Pretty cool. Yeah, we're really getting uh, we're getting right down to the folk of the business here, aren't we? Hey, you can tell you can tell this is of a different period, man. That's for yeah. sure. But still very queeny because it's got that. It's, it's changed direction now. You know, we're yep. not sitting in that one place. We've got that low slung, very Sections. mellow groove. But now we've kind of switched directions and we change gears a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and there's another gear change coming, Randy. So let's play a little bit more of this song. Knocker into high, boys. Should be waiting for the sun. And anyway, I got to hide away. You know that uh, solo always reminds me of. Mm, no, go Mark on. Bolan. Mark Bolan. Oh yeah, okay, yep. Super edgy, like really choppy, fucking dirty. It's just so cool, man. I love that solo. Yeah, I can see it. And I did, I did cut. I don't, I don't always like to cut in too often, but you know, we're trying to get around the the copyright issues, Randy. We're trying to keep things, you know, legit and somewhat legal and somewhat respectful of Queen's intellectual property. Oh no, no, we're not trying to take no uh, thunder from. Staffel and Queen. <laughs> okay, speaking of thunder, let's get back into it. <laughs> should say too because again you know obviously we watch the the official lyric videos or the official videos um on the queen youtube channel uh, when we're listening to the songs folks and some of these old photos man holy shit they look so young yeah i love them yeah it's super great and brian and brian especially and john look like they fucking blow away in a stiff breeze you know what i mean even more so than roger and freddie who are very lean and very angular themselves but holy shit they look skinny yeah yeah, they got their just their fenders holding them down from blowing away on stage. Hey? <laughs> the fenders the only thing stopping them a from blowing away, and if they do get blown away from going down the fucking the yeah. storm drain, <laughs> ballast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
Well, there's there a song go, there, isn't it? There you go. We can take five and listen to it again in its entirety. Yeah, mate. And then, sure, go, and then it... go straight to the vote. Absolutely. I wouldn't mind hearing it in its entirety. Okay, so so folks, what we're going to do right now, um, one of the things that we, you know, that th this format of the show doesn't do a great job of is it forces us to sort of keep stopping and starting the song without Randy actually having heard it. So what we started doing at the suggestion of one of our listeners, whose name I really should write down, Randy, so we can credit them, uh, is for after we've done that, is for Randy to, to or, or, sorry, is after that, is for us to sit down and just listen to the song straight through with no interruptions so that Randy can get a sense of the song in its entirety, which is what we're going to do right now. And we'll be right back. Okay, well, Randy, we've listened to the song again, all the way through. Um, Thank I you tapped, for that, Kevin. And I tapped away a few notes there, um, which is always useful, I think. And I think I adds something else to the podcast. But what we're going to do before we talk about any of those things that either I or you wrote down is the vault. So uh, we have Queen doing all right. Is this a champion or does it bite the dust? Here's my vote, Randy. So, again, first time listening to this. Um, Jesus Christ, my train of thought just left the station. Fucked off down the tracks. I wasn't on board. Mm -hmm. um, so what I've got to do now is get a cab to the next train station to catch up with the bags that the porter had already put on the train. Do you find um, that happens much? Well, yeah, quite frequently. Um, so for you then, is this is this one of the champions or does this early Queen track, which is actually a smile track, does it bite the dust? Well, I think it's been a little while since we've disagreed. It might be three or four episodes since we've... We've yeah, dissented. So this is yeah, good because it's it good to talk about. So I'll, I'll maybe start with. Sure, you go a, first. A statement about why I champion this one, and then I'll I'll ask you to comment on that, and then follow up with why you don't. So to me, this is one of the songs that sort of shows what it shows what Queen's thought process, or certainly Brian May's thought process, was in how to craft a song in terms terms of let's have different sections different speeds, different sort of different things coming in, lots of different interesting bits and pieces, and let's try and build it out from there. Is it a perfect example of Queen? No, absolutely not. Um, they did it so much better on Queen 2. They did it a lot better on Night at the Opera, on, you know, it, it, uh, News of the World. There's different examples of where they got this formula of building these multi-part compositions so well. But to me, this is sort of the genesis of it. This is where they, okay, let's do this, and let's do that, and let's try this, and let's put this in. So I've always loved this song, and I always I, I just love those vocal harmonies. I'm doing all right. I just think it's super cool. So I'll throw over you real quick, and let's let's find out because I think it's more interesting always to find out why some one of us why one of us downvote something. What do you think, dude? Well, there again, I think I, I kind of wonder if you're if you're too wrapped in nostalgia. Yeah, to maybe take a, to take a, a, an honest look at it, and and. That's as well established. I'm a Queen fan. I, I love I love Queen. Of course. But I, I would just say that I just I would just say that this, okay, I would just say this. There's really not much happening in this song. It's the same thing too. And you're saying you're saying, you know, these multi-layer different and, and I get what you're saying too. But to me, it just sounds like two ideas stuck together. 
Right. And, you know, this comes from an earlier band, so it sounds like they're probably a live band. Uh, and, and, and the big rock section, you know, got people up and, you know, they get a chance to stretch their legs and show everybody that they can, yeah. that they can play, but it just, it just doesn't really go anywhere. It just doesn't really, it just like the song itself doesn't do much for me, despite, you know, everybody's brilliant playing. It definitely sounds like it's from, it's another, another era, which I had said, and of course it is from another era, mm-hmm. but I would just argue that this style of song, like, I don't know. There's better examples like Little River Band would do something like this better, more effective. Okay. Now, so so that's that's I guess my 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 negatives I suppose, uh, and it's primarily just it's primarily my problem is just the song itself. I love the delay on Brian's vocal. I think that sounds I think that sounds super cool. On Freddie, on uh, Freddie's vocal, I, you mean? Yeah. I'm sorry. I love the delay on Freddie's vocal. Uh, I I love the guitar. The guitars when they come in, uh, I guess I was reading ahead of my notes. Maybe that's why I said Brian. But uh, so I do. I love the guitars when they come in. There, there are there, there's a, there's a few little sloppy things I'm not nuts about, but that's not the reason why I'm downvoting it. Yeah. And, and and I and I should add, you know, because we have this ridiculous system, where below fifty it falls, you know, I, I don't know exactly where it is. Yeah. Like it could be, you know, maybe it's forty five even. I don't know. But there you go. That's my reasoning. I think it, you know, <laughs> it's the thing, right? I mean, I, I, I suspect that once we're through the main catalog, I will almost certainly have voted more than 50% of the songs championed and bites the dust. I'd almost guarantee that. Probably me too. There's a lot of sentimentality attached to this song. And it's that thing for me. And I think for a lot of Queen fans, or maybe we'll find out something different on the, on the, on the, on Twitter, Randy, on the poll is it's, it's that kind of, ancestry so smile came before queen and it's the last sort of vestige of what they brought forward from that band and so i've always kind of you know i've always liked that but just sonically i quite like it now what i would say in the negative is it definitely feels like for all i've said about that it's it's this idea of trying to trying to bring lots of different sections and lots of different variations of the song in a four minute 19 song it changes too much where that could have been, you know, when Queen do this well, when they have different sections, Bohemian Rhapsody or Innuendo, when they do it well, it's it's paced well, it's it's arranged appropriately. There's, you know, good lead-ins and outs and those kind of things. So, but this one feels, it does feel a little bit, you know. Maybe, maybe that up section should have been a larger portion of the song. Yeah, or just come at the I end mean, or something, right? So. I don't know, yeah. 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 It's almost like the component parts are there. It's just not quite not quite finished in a way but again this is the first record it's been recorded in the dead of night in downtime for the studio so you know you get in you get out and, and do what you can right? so. absolutely and absolutely and you know would i have loved to have written the song and shared the royalties with mr stafel <laughs> hey i'm getting better with the name every time stafel 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 would i like to have shared the the, the royalties on this song you're fucking right so i would have yeah uh but you know, I didn't write it, and uh, nobody stopped me from criticizing it. So, uh, so that's what I've done. What do you? I, I always like asking you, Randy, about production. And obviously, this sounds like what it is. It's a very early '70s song, mm-hmm. and it feels like that. Yep. But there's something quite warm and quite familiar about how they used to mic up drums back then, and you know, it, the, the drums sound great. Yeah, John's bass sounds great. Like, yeah, it, it sonically to me, it sounds it really sounds really nice. 
Well, so this was recorded at, at Trident, I do believe. Is that what yeah. I said? To start, yeah. So you know, that's 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 a world class studio. Yeah, they would have absolutely the best of the best. These guys, it should sound amazing, and it, and it does. It does. It really does sound great. I, I have no bones about the the production and about how it sounds or how yeah. it's played, even really particularly. Uh, I think that's all wonderful. And yes, isn't it isn't it nice? Isn't it nice to hear just unapologetically playing real drums? Like, oh, oh fuck God, yeah. yeah! Come on, it's it's that thing you get from Bonham, and from you know Keith Moon, and from John. Those guys in those big rock bands, you could hear the drums because he just fucking yeah. mic'd them, mic'd them up, and put them in a room, right? But I was going to ask you about the piano with because that reverb on that piano in the intro and the outro is huge. Yeah. So back in 71, 72, 73, it's like in the early 70s, is that just a room? Or are they whacking a bunch of reverb on that? And did they have the technology to do that in post after the track was was recorded? Uh, yeah, okay. So now I would have to do research specifically okay. into Trident. Uh, but I can tell you this. Um, I would say probably by the 70s, they had external reverb units. I'm guessing that they had them I'm fairly right. certain they did. Now, how good they were and were they stereo and all that stuff, there's, there's all kinds of questions there. But I will tell you this, what a lot of studios had, especially in the 60s, uh, is they had reverb tanks that were usually built under the studio. Uh, and what they would do is just quite literally, you know, have a loudspeaker on one side and another a recording, two set of recording mics, stereo, mono, depending on what they're doing, on the other side. And they would just play whatever they wanted through and record that and then mix that with the if it's a guitar then they would mix it with the guitar yeah uh, to give it to give it reverb so now what that did was no two studios were the same no two rooms were the same and so everybody's everybody's reverb sounded a little bit different so if you wanted that trident sound or you wanted that stack sound or, you, or whatever then you would go to get that kind of thing yeah. so now that's all dead old school technology uh i would love to have thought that that Trident had that, and that's what gives this that that special reverb. Because the reverb and the slap delay and everything on uh, Fred's vocals are are killer, right? Yeah, it, and I only learned about that whole that trick with you know having holes in the floor and having this big you know reverb sort of you know tank essentially behold uh, below the the recording booth. Exactly what it is. Yep. And I would say this for any aspiring engineers out there that want to make their own custom reverb, you can play your track at the bottom of your stairs. Uh, I'm just talking two-story regular bungalow and then put your mic at the at the top of the stairs and put it on the stand as tall as you can get and then play whatever it is out of your thing and record that signal and you'll have your own custom reverb that only you can get in your environment. It's and just not, to, not to nerd out too much here, Andy, but because I do love this stuff and I think there are, there will be a, a sort of section of our listeners who do enjoy this stuff. So, when you're recording, let's say you're recording guitar, right? You're recording one of your own songs. You'll mic up your amp, and you'll have that signal coming in through your amp, but you'll also send a clean signal directly from your guitar into your mix, right? So you've got the, the sort of the clean tone and the amp so that you've got two signals now, one modified, let's say, and one unmodified to play with. How common would that have been back then? Is that something that they would have had, like you know, line signal, and then and then coming from the mic as well? Was that something they would have done? Yeah, that's that's a good question. 
uh, Kev. I'm not sure if they uh, that, that that's a practice today that you'd call reamping. Okay. I'm not sure how much how much they did of that back then, but I just have to assume that that they that they probably did. You know, even by the time by the time the seventies came around, God, yeah, for sure. Yeah. They had they had pretty much done every fucking trick there is. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, there, there's a lot, a lot of smart people recording. So I just have to think that somebody would have would have done some reamping at some point. It's so cool, right? Because some clever bastard at some point said, you know what? If we actually get take two signals here, what's coming out of the amp and what's coming just from the guitar, we could actually send that signal back out to a different amp with a different with different, you know, gain settings, everything else, to get exactly yeah. the tone we want. Well, so that's what what happens is your guitar player leaves, uh, and sure you're happy with the performance, and you've recorded his amp the way he wants it, and then you start playing it in the track, and for whatever reason you can't get it to sit right, or you're not yeah. happy with it. Well, yeah, then you can send it out to a different amp, or, or and and make get it the sound that you want, and then and then bring it back in, without without ever having the the guitar player come back in the studio. So so that's the beauty of that, and I find it hard to believe that somebody in the seventies wouldn't have thought of that, you know. You know, certainly before this fucking dopey idiot from fucking Sask. <laughs> and certainly someone like Brian May, who was, well, a nerd, a massive guitar nerd, would have would yeah. have used any of those tricks that he had available. Like, fucking, of course he's going to do that, right? Yeah. I, I, I hear occasionally I've heard some bands uh, talk about, oh, man, I just wish you could go back and just wish you could go back and, you know, record just like the Beatles did. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, well. I don't know if you guys hard that is. I know, but I don't know if you guys realize this, but as soon as the moment that the Beatles could record on more than two tracks or three tracks or yeah. four or eight, they fucking instantly did. None of them want to work. They want to work with the best current technology yeah, available all the time. So, so, but, so, but I think when, when sometimes when, when musicians and bands will say that, what they really mean is they wish that they could put forth a performance yeah uh, like that and capture it that way because that's the only way they can sort of put yeah. into words like you know and and what it really ultimately means is is just they're just better musicianship and yes. I mean studios cost real dollars back then you so you didn't just you didn't just go with your uh your weekend warrior band and go cut a bunch of tracks at fucking Abbey Road uh, you know unless <laughs> your dad was a fucking you know a wealthy man yeah, you know, you that was that was that was for the professionals, and and so that's why those tracks sounded the way they did. If you weren't good enough, you couldn't keep up. If you couldn't play on time, if you couldn't keep up, you're done. You're gone. There's yeah. a lineup, a lineup of guitar players, bass players, drummers, a lineup of them outside that could all play as good or better than you, and so you had to step up. Now those days are gone, but uh, but that's okay. These are these are new times. Yeah, and it's funny when you talk about. I know. I mean, we should we should wrap things up fairly soon, but I just wanted to say that that's where when you get into session musicians, you talk about the guys from Stacks, right? You mentioned Stacks earlier. Yeah, they had a, a a stable of dependable, reliable musicians who they knew could play on time, in key, in the right style, on demand, no matter yep. what was thrown at them. You know what I mean? Because that is time is money. You've I've, got like I've... let's get this in two takes, guys, because we can fucking save a bunch of money if you can get this in one or two takes. I've literally read stories of of the Motown guys where there are there is another drummer waiting outside, another yeah. bass player. Like you can't get it, really, really, you can't get it. Okay, yeah, moving on. So, so you know, just that's a harsh, throw away. just a harsh reality of it. So, 
that's why we listen to all those old vintage recordings and you, you're always you marvel at how good yeah all these players are it's like well well fuck yeah yes yes they are good because they yeah. have to be and it's the same thing i think you know what i do get from listening to this song and going back to queen one and queen two you do you do hear that yeah this isn't a band that's coming into the studio and fucking around they yeah. practice these songs they've yep. got the parts down they know where they're going with them I mean, yeah there's gonna be some variation in takes but they've yep. more or less got these songs sorted out before they come into the studio because you have to well, this is clearly a band that can play in the studio despite Absolutely. my not liking the song the the performance is, is great uh, and, and you can tell this is a band that plays together and has played together uh and really as an engineer or a producer in the studio that's really pretty much all you can ask for <laughs> When they walk in and you go, oh, thank God these guys know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, why do they have to bring so many people, bands? Just come with yourselves. <laughs> what do you mean? This is, what do you mean you've got your choreographer? We're just recording fucking tambourine today. Like, why haven't you brought the choreographer with you? A stylist. Yeah. You were, you've brought your influencer with you. Oh, that's interesting. Can you imagine and, trying to fucking deal with all that? Jesus and 30, Christ. And 36 beer and a 26 of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we just booked a couple hours here, fellas. <laughs> I thought it was a bad sign when they turn up with a keg. You're like, oh, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm kind of, yeah, well, we didn't, again, didn't get what I wanted to listen to. Didn't get what you wanted to listen to. But we listened to a, I, a song that I like and a song that I think you appreciate. But you just, yeah, I can see your point. I can see the, it's a song that sort of, all right, you know, as a song, is it great? Is it? Yep. Average is it? You know, yeah, I get it. I, you know, I'm not going to fight you on this one like I did the profit song. You know. All right. Well, thanks no, for that, no. buddy. <laughs> Which you know, time will prove that again you are wrong on that one. But this, I'm never going to let that go. You know, it's never know going away. Keep, you keep bringing it up. You I'm going to get a t I'm going to get a T-shirt. Actually, I'm going to do a T-shirt design and put it on our web store, which I'm going to set up at some point. That just says Mr. Randy is wrong about the profit song. And that's all the T-shirt is going to say in block. You know, like the Frankie relaxed T-shirt. Frankie yeah. says, go to Hollywood. It's just going to be that. Mr. Randy's wrong about the profit song in block capitals on a white T-shirt. I'm going to buy 90 of them and distribute them to everyone on Twitter. How does <laughs> that fucking gonna, sound, Woods? I was going to say, be, pre be, be, be prepared to sell none of them. Now, <laughs> the church, a minister in the church of Go Fuck Yourself, no, that, <laughs> no, that's a fucking idea. That's a we just need to get you in robes. <laughs> we just get your yeah. robes. Maybe Klein can, can, can lend some robes to you. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So let's let's wrap this up, Randy. I mean, we've gone on interminably again. So, um, so we try to keep things lighter in here, folks. Um, but this past week, uh, this or this past weekend, I should say, has been a little bit challenging for my friend Randy, um, who lost um, a bandmate and a friend. So, Randy, um, did you want to tell people about that? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, let uh, you know anybody that knew David uh, loved him and uh, and realized how much of a brilliant man he was. But I just wanted to take a quick second and just uh, let the world know, uh, and the world is you listening to this, that we lost our brother David Olan Upwards. He played congas with me for about five, six years. Uh, a brilliant man, four children uh, left behind, gone much too soon. Uh, glioblastoma which is uh brain cancer a terrible thing i would just say this uh hug your friends uh in your family and just tell them all that you love them uh because really uh 
our days here are short. So thanks for that, everybody. And uh, let's let's return to regularly scheduled programming. Okay, so folks, it, rather than giving the last word to Freddie Mercury, as we usually do for this episode and in memory of uh, Randy's bandmate and friend um, and the much beloved uh, David Olan Upwards, we're going to lead out with a little bit of music that he played on um, from Randy's band, the Randy Woods Band. Good night, folks.